both an art and a science, valuations are complex things and their impact is enormous, making the difference between generational wealth creation and a comfortable retirement. At Bizval, we know how tough it is to grow and run a business, which is exactly why we've made valuations simpler. Whether you are using our online tool Bizval Live or reaching out to us for a concierge offering where we spend more time on your numbers and your business and give you detailed feedback, you can be sure that the same techniques being used by professional investors are also being used by us. And with Bizval Bootcamp, we will prepare you for those discussions with investors. Welcome to the Bizval Podcast. Welcome to this episode of the Bizval Podcast. My name is the Finance Ghost, the host of the Bizval Podcast, as you've come to know. And today we are now going across to France. We have been uh, handing out a little bit in the UK recently. David Duchemin, hope I got that right. My, my French is coming along. I was learning a bit of Scottish uh, last week, which isn't quite English. I think it's almost a different language. You've got to concentrate very hard on uh, Scottish pronunciation. But uh, David, you are the founder of 2A Family Office Network. It's really cool to engage with you. Um, I think before we kick off, you know, other than just welcoming you to the show, it would be great for our listeners to just understand a little bit about you, you know, where in the world are you, what have you done, and, and what is it that you are currently busy with? Yeah, thank you for having me on, on your podcast. It's a pleasure. And, uh, and, and you, you, your French is good. That's, uh, that's all fine. So, yeah, uh, you know, I don't come from the world of the Family Office Network originally. Uh, I spent a couple of years, 15 years or so, in the self-development industry. You know, doing um, business coaching, doing um, Tony Robbins-like seminars on motivation, leadership mastery. And at some point, going through Tony's stuff myself, going through his uh, seminar, Wealth Mastery, that was for me the turning point where I decided to start learning how to invest. But not only that, learning how also how to manage the wealth you're creating along the way and how to pass it on to the next generation. And that was for me, you know, the, the concept of family money was, uh, you know, a, a breakthrough for me. And this is now, I would say, my purpose, you know, creating a family office uh, for the next generation and, and creating wealth just for the sole purpose to pass it on on the next generation. And I, I spent the last four or five years or so building a network of family offices and asset managers. And uh, I'm now in this institutional world of, uh, of money, I would say, yeah. Yeah, it's very much about building legacies, right? And the families that you work with would, would typically be, you know, have very high net worth individuals, I would imagine. I think some people understand exactly what a family office is. I think a lot of people don't. And a family office is something very different, actually, to a corporate or even to an institutional asset manager, in my experience. I think it would be very interesting to understand, you know, directly from you with all the experience you have in this space, what exactly is a family office? And then how is that different to your kind of typical corporate, not just in terms of structure, but also how they actually behave every day? Yeah, no, sure. It's a broad topic. And uh, we're talking about, uh, you, you know, we're talking about multi-family office, single family office. And now we are even talking about virtual family office. And basically what a family office is, is a kind of private organization, a, a, a private entity, which will manage the wealth of one family or several families. So you have to, to make a distinction. You have to distinguish, you know, multi-family office who are solely advisors coming together to, um, to sell services to, to these uh, families, high net worth individuals like tax services, wealth management, investment management, even lifestyle services to manage, to, to help these individuals manage their, 
their lifestyle or, or their private gadgets like private airplane or you know all, all that kind of stuff so sometimes you, you have people only doing uh, managing these things but m- my point would be because that and you're talking to all these kind of people entrepreneurs and my point would be for all these people to um, to think of a family office like a, a basis for them, a foundation for them. Every entrepreneur should start at some point his own family office because people get stuck sometimes with the structure. I don't have the time, I don't have the resources, I don't have the money to, to, to start my family office. This is something out of my reach. But family office is for me not so much a structure, but it is a culture. So you have to start this culture to say, okay, I'm, I'm building my 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 company, uh, my startup, to, to generate uh, wealth, to generate an exit at some point. And as this will be hopefully very rewarding for you guys at, to, to have this kind of experience. But you, you have to think uh, right off the bat that you have two businesses. One is your, 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 your startups, the, the company you're, you're funding. And the other one is your family office. And uh, you have to, to create this mindset, this culture inside your, 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 your family. And as you rightly say at the beginning, it's about all about the purpose of a family office is about legacies, about passing on the wealth to the next generation and to the next generation. So it's really, and, and we could go into, you know, very in, into depth with family office because you have heart structure, you have soft structure. You, so heart structure is obviously, uh, you, you will have, a, you will set up a company somewhere, you know, in a jurisdiction. Maybe you will, we will be talking about the trust to, to, to protect the assets. So this is all, you know, what a lawyer, what, uh, what people will advise you to do. But you can start, uh, you can start uh, a young founder. You can start uh, only with, uh, I would say, the, the mindset and the soft structure. So soft structure for me is a, a kind of agreement, a family agreement where you, you start setting up the stage for your family office, where you start. So it's a way to get your family members involved into, into this. Uh, the kids, you start with the first generation, obviously. And uh, setting up the stage means uh, preparing for the next generation. So you will have an investment council inside the family. You will have an investment bank. So, so, you know, this is all the soft structures that will come along the way that you don't really need now when you're starting, but you, that you are preparing for the next, uh, for the years ahead. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. I mean, so much of it is capital growth and preservation and thinking about the right ways to do that and thinking about the right behaviors within this sort of family structure that is designed to not just take a windfall of profits and then go and, you know, spend it on something. And, and as you pointed out there, you know, family office does not mean just saving all your money, clearly. You know, these are, we joke in South Africa, I don't know if this joke travels well, but we talk about first world problems. First world problem is, you know, who's going to clean my yacht? Or, oh no, my airplane is at the wrong airport. Or, you know, I can't go to the Monaco Grand Prix this year, I didn't get tickets in time. I mean, this is a completely different lifestyle to anything that most people can remotely relate to. I think all that happens is your personal admin just changes. You know, you're not worrying about doing the change of ownership on your motor car you recently bought. You're worrying about who's cleaning your yacht but you still have these things that need to happen. And that's obviously one element of family office. But I think what's more, uh, I suppose, relevant to, you know, a lot of the listeners of the show perhaps is stuff like, obviously from a founder's perspective, it's thinking about how do you go and get these structures in place? How do you actually go and build out a family office, especially if you're looking to exit a business? There's also another angle to it, which is to say, you know, if you are looking to sell a business, don't discount the potential for a family office to be your investor. 
or your exit because these offices are looking for investments ultimately. And I'd be interested to hear your experience with this. Mine has certainly been that family offices don't always apply purely financial metrics to something. There's almost an element, there's often an element of social impact metrics depending on just how wealthy that family office actually is. Sometimes, it's going to sound ridiculous, but there are these sort of glamorous assets that they want to own and be associated with. They are businesses, but they probably don't give a great return. I think sports teams would be a perfect example of that kind of thing. Now, just any thoughts from your side around family offices as investors and how they think about the world? No, yeah, right. No, yeah, it could be uh, partnering with the right family could be really a, a great value when you are uh, raising money for your, for, your, for your startup. But, you know, there is as many stasis as there are families. So financial metrics is one thing. And uh, you, ha you have some family offices which are really, you know, big families who have uh, a setup where they have, you know, uh, uh, chief investment officers, they have uh, VC analysts. Uh, so it, it will m be much like a corporate investor. Uh, they're gonna through, they, ha they will have their own due diligence process. They will have their own investment thesis, you know, uh, uh, focusing on, on, on sectors, on stages, things like that. And you will have, I would say, the little family offices, guys who are, you know, um, also relying on their intuition. Due diligence, of course, is, is, is one aspect, but uh, if you have uh, on your cap table a big VC with a big name, as the guys are already happy with that, so they don't need much more uh, due diligence to, to, to do. And uh, yeah, they, they can do a deal with a handshake. So, so they, 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 some, some are really old school. They have to meet you face to face and have this feeling. Uh, and that's, that's also... Uh, why it's really important for a founder to 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 be uh, to, to to have this uh, talent to express his his vision his vivid vision because this is what they are looking for. How can you share this excitement about what what you're trying to achieve with your with your company? So it's really depending. But I I would say yes, yeah, these people are really keen on on doing something great with the money. So so uh, all these social impact ventures so are, are interesting topics for, for, for them. But they won't see an investment through, you know, the eye of uh, uh, what, what are the social impact, what are the social metrics. They, they, they will see, uh, you know, a, a green tech project or ag tech or health tech or green chemistry or, you know, uh, does your project move the needle? Does that uh, do something good for the world? And this is a drive of doing something good. Uh, with my money, which is here uh, more more relevant, I would say. I see asset managers, you know, it's another topic, but I see sometimes asset managers trying to to promote a product, investment product like bonds uh, through the financial social metrics angle. And here, that works sometimes, but um, what they are looking for is, uh, you know, the, what is the core strength of the projects uh, and what, what is their return on investment. But it's now coming back to um, a startup project. It is really doing good. You know, I will invest into your startup and you have a tech which is really disrupting, which moves the needle, which can do good for humanity. And this is, this is a drive behind, behind the investment, I would say. I mean, you touched on such an interesting point there with those bonds, right? I mean, ESG, we know, is French for nonsense. Now, I'm obviously being very cheeky now. But uh, the point is, you know, this entire ecosystem has been built up around this concept of ESG and these green bonds and sometimes it gets used the way it should. Uh, look, I am fairly cynical of corporates on a good day. I used to work in investment banking myself. I know for a fact 
the vast majority of these things are, you know, there is cheaper money available. Okay, what do we need to do to get it? Uh, altruism is unfortunately a very rare trait in uh, humanity, sadly. So, and that's fine. You know, that's how the system works. That's why the money has these metrics, you know, because then at least the people with the money know, okay, well, whether those people are sincere about it or not, at least they have to do this to get this money. And that's fine. I think with a family office, it's a bit different because, again, they are not reporting to their own funders, for example. They are not necessarily interested in the same ESG metrics that an investment bank will look at. That's very much a tick box exercise. I think a lot of this stuff, and it's cool that you've touched on that, you know, is I love that point, Ron. Like, will it will it really move the needle? You know, will it will this be a technology that actually makes a significant difference? And then, inevitably, that's social enterprise, right? And, and it's actually fascinating. I mean, it's a topic for another day entirely, almost. But these businesses make money, but they do it through doing a social good. And it doesn't mean they're not valuable. And it doesn't mean they can't change hands for a lot of money. And they, it doesn't mean that they can't make their founder very wealthy. Inevitably, it just means that, you know, the the cap table looks different along the way. The strategy maybe looks different along the way. And I think in some cases, the goal is not to absolutely maximize profit and get that last bit of blood from the stone. I think the goal is to, you know, be sustainable financially and then do something else that is also sustainable from an ESG perspective. It's a much purer application of that concept of ESG, I think, than what we see in the institutions, unfortunately. I don't know if you'd agree with that. No, exactly. You're so, you're so right. You're so right. This is true. This is... And, 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 you know, what I love, I, I'm talking with a, a lot of families and when I see so, sometimes um, some, some founders of, of, of this uh, kind of, you know, uh, new startups with new tech doing good, these are families, you know, um, they, they came across um, an engineer with a, with a wonderful new tech and uh, as they're putting the money on him and betting on him and, 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 and going all in. And you, you, what, what I want to say is you feel the passion behind this, these families. We want to do good. We want, and we believe in, in the guys they met, the engineer with this new tech, and stories behind uh, this, this kind of startups are, are fascinating. Yeah, very much so. And I can understand why it appeals to a family office. You know, they're also, let's call a spade a spade, telling those stories around a nice meal in Switzerland somewhere. You know, this is very cliche stuff, but there's a lot of truth in it. I mean, a perfect, perfect, very South African example is. Well, not, not that South African, actually, is Remgro. So, Johan Rupert, who you, you know, Richemont, that's a name you'll probably know. And the Mediclinic, oh, sorry, I lied, the Mediterranean Shipping Company family putting their efforts together to acquire Mediclinic. So, that's a very good example. Now, Remgro is a listed company. The Mediterranean Shipping Company is not, to my knowledge. And that's a very good example of how this family office, you know, they don't want to put hospitals on boats, necessarily. <laughs> They just want to diversify. They want to invest alongside another very wealthy, successful entrepreneur, big name, big families. Now that's how this game. That's how this game works. And I think for founders, if they figure out how to tap into the source of capital, you can actually end up getting the best partner of your life, because you end up partnering with a family. Uh, you know, and as long as you don't choose the mafia and and end up in a movie somewhere, you know, it can be. It can truly be the best decision you ever make. And I think something else I want to ask you that I've found is a lot of these family offices, they obviously don't have the same structure as a corporate. So they don't necessarily have an army of analysts and a board meeting and a quarterly meeting and a monthly manco pack and all that kind of jazz. Um, it's a little bit lower touch, isn't it? When they invest in a private company, they are somewhat more hands off uh, than, you know, an institutional investor might be. Of course, of course, it's a uh 
they can they can act really fast. I'm right in the middle of a deal now with a, a European family investing in a Australian fintech. So the guy is uh, you know is okay to invest in a company in a startup which which is far far away from him. And uh, just, you know, what uh, is really important for him is to have uh, this, this relationship with the founder, so, you know, um, face-to-face. But as soon as you have built this trust, they sign the contracts, they sign the term sheet very quickly, they send the money very quickly. And usually they have a level of involvement uh, which is quite high because they want you to succeed. And they are often they are uh, entrepreneurs themselves. So... They know uh, they know all the challenges you're going through as an entrepreneur, and uh, they, they 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 open up their own network to 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 help you uh, succeed in your venture. And they might also bring other families from the network into into the project. So if you if you have the right family of uh, family investor, the right guy on your cap table, so it it can be really really. Uh, powerful for you uh, that's that's true absolutely so i think practically speaking how do founders and family offices actually find each other i mean it sounds like that's something you're involved in um is this generally by introduction you know or do people i guess that's how it has to work right uh, yes yes you you have a lot of uh, events around family offices so sometimes very costly so you you know, all over the world you have uh, people or company um, organizing these kind of events networking events Sometimes they are seen as only uh, pitch events because these guys uh, are selling you tickets and are selling companies the possibility to to pitch uh, the project to to a crowd of family officers. So uh, I met a lot of people who are not so happy with this kind of events because it's only a pitch. And uh, but but it's it's a good way to start network with families. And you have of course uh, different platforms, uh, link, LinkedIn. And yeah, what I what I when I'm trying to when I'm when I'm building my family office network, I'm going to these families with you know with this idea in mind that how can I help? How can I add value to to them? Not not with the idea what can I take from them? Because when you are a founder, uh, obviously you want to raise money and you so it's. But I'm not going to these guys with the idea of um, this startup, this startup. I'm raising for this project, this project. So. You know, I'm just building relationship. And uh, if you want to start building your network with families, start networking with these guys, you should see yourself as a family office as well. You know, and, and you should go there into, into a networking uh, activity with them with this idea of uh, how can I help? What can I bring to them which is of value? And that, may be a, that ma- might be a connection uh, to someone in your network. That might be uh, your, your time or that might be your your expertise on, on something. Fantastic. Last question, my side, and then I think we're out of time today. You've already alluded to a family office that you're helping uh, with a deal far away from home, you know, still in Europe, but, you know, not not on their back door. Are these kind of international deals common? And will you see something more exotic than that? Will you see a European family office investing outside of the EU, for example? Or do they tend to stick to what they know? Yeah, no, it's not so common. And again, it's really, it's really uh, you know, uh, there are as many uh, strategies as there are families. So I remember a, a big U.S. family wanting to invest. I think it was, if I remember right, it was in the Philippines, you know, uh, Southeast Asia. So really far away. And, and, and the, that was a big family. So they had, a, they had a chief investment officers. They had a, a setup some, somewhere in Dubai, uh, you know, to the investments. They had their due diligence team. So the guys 
where you know they had the experience they, they, they can do a deal everywhere in the world so you have some families like this where we have the kind of teams the kind of setup and and they can go everywhere when we're talking about not so big families uh, under one billion i see i see especially here in germany europe france uh, the guys tend to to stick to what they know so this is this tend they tend to 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 stay at home and uh, to invest in a company in the range of uh, you know of of uh, of a flight where companies they can visit uh, very quickly I, I even see uh, you know families here in germany saying oh i only invest in germany not not even you know switzerland not even austria because it's too far away already so it's 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 again a question of for them for some some of them investment thesis and also mindset because I see other guys uh, who say, I don't care where the company is. I'm just, I, I do care about about the, the idea and, uh, you know, this is a team uh, I invest in. So if, if that's a good investment opportunity, if that's uh, 1,000 miles away, it's okay. Uh, it's not a problem. You know, it's, it's a different mindset. Yeah. Makes a world of sense. I love that reference to, you know, a smaller family office under 1 billion. I mean, that is exactly the point. So when people say family office, you need to understand you are dealing with properly high net worth individuals. This is not your neighbor who was a well-known surgeon and is sitting on, you know, 50 million bucks. Uh, yes, that's a lot of money. No one is saying it's not, but you need to understand what a family office actually looks like. David, this has been such an insightful uh, conversation. How do people find you if they would like to reach out to you on this topic? Oh, yeah. Uh, they, they can go on my website, uh, 2afamilycapital.com. And to A, that stands for, you know, in French, we say amour and abundance. So lo love and abundance. <laughs> that's, that's what I want my family to, 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 to strive for. There we go. Love and abundance. I like it. David Duchemin, mm -hmm. thank you so much for your time. This has been really great. I would encourage our thank listeners, you. you know, if this is of interest to you, reach out, follow David. I'm sure there's some cool stuff on the website and I'm sure you're open for a chat, especially where it's people who genuinely have a business reason for contacting you. So thank you, David. And uh, to our Biswell listeners, hope you enjoyed this podcast and I hope you look forward to the next one from the Finance Coast. Thank you and cheers. Thank you.